0: Hey everybody, I'm John Gould and I'm Nagin Muscati and this is This Real Estate Life, the official podcast of the Baird & Warner Lincoln Park office.
1: We have so many amazing real estate agents in our office, each with their own unique gifts and personalities and we really just wanted to create a podcast where you can celebrate those individuals and learn a little bit about real estate along the way.
0: Yeah, so whether you're a real estate agent yourself or just curious to learn more about what we do every day, this is the podcast for you. So thanks for joining us and we hope you love the journey. woo
1: Welcome to This Real Estate Life, the Baird & Warner Lincoln Park podcast where we highlight and showcase the different gifts and talents our agents have. Today's guest is one of the coolest new agents we've had in the last year and a half, one of the most successful people and career-driven people I know, Sarah Jaffe, Sora Giraffe. <laughs> Woo! That's very
0: kind. Thank you, John. You're
1: welcome.
0: <laughs> um, welcome, Sarah. Thank you so much for joining us. We've had you on once before, but you were part of a panel. So this time we get to just feature you and uh, talk with you for quite some time. So thank you for joining us. Happy to be here. Thanks for having me. <laughs> uh, of course, and you know, and John mentioned it briefly, but you've had quite the year, you know, in real estate. And it's really impressive what you've done. So I hope you don't mind if I put you on the spot. Uh, if you need to give us like a rough estimate of how many transactions that you have accomplished or you've done in your first uh, year of real estate so far.
2: Yeah, um it's it's hovering around the 50 mark. Um, it depends on if you're counting um deals that I've worked with other brokers on. Um, and any anything that's currently pending or listed but right now it's at 55 but that's from september of last year to now oh
0: my so gosh. that's 13 months 55 transactions that is insane and yes we are counting deals where you're maybe a co-list or a co-buyer or assisting another another broker and most of those have been totally you on your own um, which is insane like there are that's every cool. new broker would want to be doing that type of business. So congratulations on such an amazing start to your career. Only what we know is going to get even you know, better and more successful over time. Thank you. Um, we always love to start learning a little bit about our guests and what was the catalyst that pushed them to get their license and start their career in real estate. So why'd you get your license?
2: Sure. So um, before I made the switch to real estate, I was working at a foreign policy nonprofit organization. Um, It was a foreign policy think tank, and the work that I was doing there was um, really focused on event management and travel management. Um, They had speakers fly in all the time to Chicago to speak on their platform, and I would manage the travel. Um, So Really, unsurprisingly, when COVID hit, my job kind of turned obsolete overnight. Um, I was really lucky to not be furloughed or laid off for the entire duration of um, of that period. But I was ultimately in a position where um, I had all this time on my hands. I was still technically considered a full time employee, but um, while my employer was thinking about kind of how to shift my responsibilities during that. COVID time, um, I just had all this time on my hands and I was kind of already at a point where I, where I wanted to kind of explore new job opportunities. But this was kind of the first time that I really took the opportunity to start from square one to kind of go outside of the industry that I had been um, previously in and just say, let's start from a blank slate. What am I good at? What do enjoy? What do I enjoy? Um, what do I want my day to day lifestyle to look at? Um, So I started to have conversations with, you know, my friends, my family, some colleagues, things like that. Um, My dad and my grandma were actually really the first ones to plant the seed in my head that I would be um, good at real estate. You know, I'm organized. I'm a go-getter. I'm personable. Um, I like the idea of kind of being in an industry that's constantly evolving and changing and growing. And that was really exciting to me. Um, I ended up pursuing real estate because When kind of considering my options, real estate was a really unique industry in that it had a pretty low barrier to entry. Um, But once you actually are in an industry, in order to be successful, you have to work very hard. So it was kind of like low risk, high reward. Um, I figured, okay, if I spend a couple months to get my license and it's, you know, it's some money that you have to invest in, but nothing compared to getting a medical degree or getting, becoming a lawyer or things like that. Um, if I go through all those steps and I end up hating it, or it's just clearly not the right industry for me, then, you know, you live and you learn, but the reward of that, of actually like spending that little time and money to then really change your life for the better. Um, it kind of just seems like a no brainer to me. So that's what I did. And, um, also, somewhat unsurprisingly, I just kind of threw myself into the industry, and with the help of a lot of support from my friends and my family and my newfound colleagues, I just really loved, fell in love with the industry overnight. Um, never turning back.
1: Yeah, buddy. Yeah, and I think your love for the industry shows. You're always, you're always, always on the ball. You're always thinking about business. You're. I mean, it's really, really cr- quite incredible how like overnight part of everything you became. Like even as far as just office culture overnight, you became such a huge part of the office. very nice there. of you. <laughs>
2: <laughs> Thanks. Yeah, it was, I'm just kind of the person, I'm just the type of person where if I'm faced with a decision, I just need to make one immediately yeah. for better or for worse. Um, so, you know, I, I like to think that it was, calculated. I mean, I, I had lots of conversations with people in the industry, people at this office. I tried to get a better understanding of like what that shift looks like. Now, everyone's is kind of different because for a lot of people, real estate is a second career and they're coming from a completely different industry than I was coming from. Um, but just kind of through several different conversations, it, it quickly became... Um, apparent to me that I, if I worked really hard, I could do well in this industry.
1: Absolutely. I see you
2: worked. you've worked pretty hard this first year, I right? <laughs> I, I'd like to think so. It's been, I like to say, it was the craziest yet best year of my life.
1: I actually brought you on this but... podcast to tell you you should be working harder and you're not doing <laughs> it. <anything. laughs> Just kidding. <laughs> So that's not we-
0: possible. You would go. Yeah, absolutely. I know, right. For real. <laughs> <laughs> we were just talking before how, like, I haven't eaten for, yeah. <laughs> for, whole day. for days. Well, and to echo <laughs> John's yeah. sentiment too, like you really have just immersed yourself into our culture so easily and seamlessly. And one of the things that you did that was so smart, and I know you didn't do it to be strategic. You just did it because it's who you are, is you made sure that when you were new, you came in, as much as you could, and you would go talk to everybody and you didn't care if they were doing $70 million a year or, you know, $700,000 a year, it didn't matter. Like you made sure that you met everybody, you started to build those relationships. um, And I think that that's also really served you well, because this is a relationship business. And a lot of brokers forget about how important it is to have good relationships with your peers, not just with your clients.
2: Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I have learned so much just by Just through my colleagues. Um, And I I cannot stress how important it is to build those relationships because you are, especially in your first year, you are going to be at crossroads where you just have no idea how to respond to a certain situation and how to respond appropriately on behalf of your clients. And you do not just want to rely on a Google search, which will probably (laughs) yield zero responses. You know, you want to make sure you've created a network Um, you know, even if that's brokers that you build relationships with outside of your office, you know, I, um, I have those as well. And they're people that I can lean on, um, and you find the right people. And also, you know, um, you guys both know this, but it's been really helpful to have a tight knit community amongst the other brokers who started around the same time that I did as well, because, you know, sometimes I feel like I'm asking stupid questions. And so to be able to have a smaller community of agents who started right around the same time that I did, who I can kind of direct my, my silly questions to um, before I go to the big boss, David (laughs) Bailey (laughs) and and waste his time. Um, But yeah, absolutely. And also it's just, these are great people. And like I mentioned, real estate is a second career for a lot of folks. And so it's really fascinating to hear, you know, how they came to real estate and it's people from all different walks of life. Um, and that's been one of my favorite parts of of growing in this
1: industry. Absolutely. Yeah. That's
0: awesome.
1: Yeah, I just think, yeah, I think it's a, a it's a it's a natural gift you have. I even remember last week when you we went to that broker's open and like you just walked into that broker's open and immediately made best friends with with the with the agent there. and it was it's like really incredible how you're able to do that. Like the the confidence you have is like next level.
2: Oh, that's so nice.
1: I, don't, I didn't mean to keep saying really nice things about you. That wasn't my intention. <laughs> I'm going to stop. When, we also, oh, after I, was you,
0: gonna, I was just going to say, we also have no problem with Google, but just not for like transaction related questions, more for like, yeah. how do I set up my email signature? John, right. and I love Google <laughs> for those things. So yeah, thank cool. you for not relying on Google for the important stuff.
1: Well,
2: yeah, no, really, you do have to rely on your peers because so much of this industry is just, there's there's not a great playbook i mean there are resources available to you but so much of this industry is very nuanced it's like all right i have these buyers and these other financing terms but they want this timeline and they want this sort of material like it's so nuanced that the best resource that you're going to end up having are people who have been in the industry longer than you and who have likely seen that exact same thing and who can tell you these are the options at your disposal
1: absolutely every transaction is different there's no one size fits all yeah absolutely so when you started looking back now that you're a year in did you have a good idea of what being a real estate agent would be like and how has like your initial thought about what it would be like changed what surprised you
2: Uh, Yeah, no, not at all. I had zero idea what to expect, Um, especially in that first year when you're just trying to figure out how to fill your time, what to do during your day. Um, And then you suddenly start getting clients. Your day-to-day is constantly evolving. So even within my first year, the first three months looked wildly different than the last three months. Um, in In the beginning, you likely won't have a million clients calling you up, so you kind of just have to be disciplined and and wake up every morning. David Bailey talks a lot about setting a schedule and being disciplined, um, and it's important to do that. You're laying the foundation for your business. So, you know what my first few months looked like was really coming into the office, learning as much as I could about real estate, how to write contracts, learning about different materials, how to You know, walk buyers through the process, et cetera. Um, Practice buyer consultations, listing appointments, whatever it may be, so that you're prepared once that opportunity does come down the line. You also have to spend some time implementing systems so that you can ultimately scale your business. Um, So, those systems for me have continued to evolve as I've gotten bigger. Um, Most of it is still like manual. I'm not completely automated, but I kind of like having that control. Um, but, uh, yeah, I mean, I think that it's your day to day is, is constantly changing. I think another thing that stood out to me, um, a lot of my friends were surprised when I told them the things I need to do to ensure that my business runs smoothly. So they see me associated with Verdon, Warner, Lincoln park. And I think people who aren't in the industry assume that, by being under a brokerage like that's kind of the same thing as a w-2 whereas it's not you know you're you're given a lot of resources by your brokerage but you, you are ultimately running your own small business you're an independent contractor you have to figure out how to put away money for your taxes you have to you know you have to figure out how to put away money for things that you would have otherwise gotten through benefits and things like that so um you really are running your own small business. And I think a lot of people don't necessarily know that from the outside looking in. So in the first few months, when you're not spending your days out on showings and doing a lot of stuff, you're kind of just refining those systems as they need to evolve. Um, One other thing that I really focused on for any new agents out there listening in those first six months. They're going, you're going to constantly receive emails. Can someone cover a final walkthrough? Can, some, can someone cover an inspection, a showing, whatever it may be? And assuming you have the time to do it, do it. Because that's kind of a win-win situation as a new agent. You are basically getting paid to learn. Um, I, most agents will say, I'll offer you 30 bucks for covering this showing. Um, and I remember actually the first time I ever did this was, Nagim you you reached out and you're like hey can you cover the showing for me I was so nervous it was like <laughs> it was like I showed up an hour and a half before the showing I, no. like printed as a, I printed so many MLS listing sheets I stayed in the unit it was like a vacant unit it was a rental unit I stayed there for like just sitting there studying the MLS sheet for like an hour before they came I was so nervous I remember when you because we met at the property and you gave me the keys and I was just asking you in retrospect, probably a lot of silly questions, but that was really important that I took those opportunities because now I would never be nervous for a showing and I feel a lot more confident in every aspect. And so I do recommend that all newer agents, when you have all this time to fill, fill it with things that are out in the field that you could be helping other agents with. And then simultaneously, you're also building those relationships. And I know a lot of other brokers have been the like go-to agent for that more seasoned broker um and that's kind of a win-win situation too
1: absolutely it also builds credibility because you can always you know make social media posts based off of those listings totally like it's your showing all this stuff it's it's a win-win across the board yeah Yeah.
2: and when you do a good job don't tell the secret sauce to people who aren't in the industry
0: (laughs) (laughs) But no, but it's true. And then when you do a good job for that agent that you've been covering for too, like that you've earned favor with them as well to help them out on future opportunities or maybe you'll get their best open houses or you have an opportunity to do like a co-list or a co-buy or something with them down the road as well. Um, So I think that's a really, that's really good advice there. Like why not get paid to to learn and and build those relationships too?
2: Yeah, absolutely. Cause so much of this industry is really just like learn by doing, you know, I- Um, you know, I can talk all I want about how I'm going to do a listing appointment. But until we actually did that practicing with Nagin of like sitting down and someone was across from me and I was actually presenting the listing appointment rather than just talking about, well, maybe a listing appointment looks like this or looks like that, whatever it may be. That was when I really walked away and said, wow, this is where I need to refine my right. listing appointment. Um, And so whether it's actually practicing certain things like that or actually being out in the field going to an inspection going to a final walkthrough um and i'll maybe you should take this out but like sometimes it takes the pressure off when you're doing it for someone else when you're a newer agent because they're not your client so you know yes you should show up to whatever that appointment is being as prepared as possible but at the end of the day it's not like you're going to lose a client if you ask the wrong question or you know forget to cover xyz you know obviously do your due diligence but seasoned agents know that if you're a newer broker you won't always know every single right question to ask and so it's kind of again going back to the best of both worlds scenario you're kind of practicing on other people's clients um, oh,
1: that's, legit. that's legit yeah because yeah. like, nice. if yeah. you're doing a showing for someone else then you can always say i don't have that information i can ask the listing broker and it kind of gives you like room to not have the answers you know
2: yeah yeah absolutely and you don't have to have that fear lingering of oh shit i just completely messed that up and now they're gonna go work with another broker
1: right
0: yeah well and i think ultimately unless you know you're like the one person that's assisting on all the showings for that properly property then you should have all the answers right um (laughs) but if you're just filling in you know one off here or showing here showing there um at least I can't speak for the brokers. It is not my expectation that the person that I get to cover me for a showing is going to be responsible for selling and closing my client, right? Like you're there in a little bit more of a, a door opening capacity and making sure that it's a good experience. So like you said, Sarah, like know everything you can know, be professional, show up as if it was your own client, but it does take a little bit of that pressure off because it's not typically your responsibility to, to close that sale while you're there. They'll go back to their agent to work that out. Exactly. Exactly.
1: Well said here, here,
0: here, here, those are great. Those are great opportunities though. I think they're, they're wonderful. Everybody who's new should take advantage of those opportunities. Yeah.
1: Cause you have time when you're new. What else are you doing?
0: You do, <laughs> if I, if I can. So the business planner in me is gonna step in here for a second and say, you do have time when you're new but I think it's also really easy to get caught up in all of the servicing and like. True. Filling in those gaps for other people and essentially helping other people with their businesses So you want to make sure that you're also spending plenty of time, if not the majority of your time when you're new, building your own business and and having that plan in place. But that I promise for now, for the next few minutes, that's all I'm going to say about business planning. (laughs) Back to you, John.
1: (laughs) Okay. So Sarah, when you started, do you have, did you have a clear goal, whether it be monetary or just even your comfortable, your level of comfortableness- that's not the word. With the business, did you have a goal for your first year of what your business would look like, and how did you create a business plan that supported that goal?
2: Um, the short answer is yes, um, but the longer answer is my first year ended up really looking nothing like my goals. I think sure. one of the reasons why that was because I didn't have a benchmark. I even remember sitting sitting down with Nagin, crafting my business plan, and being like, I have no idea what to expect. Like, yeah. Like, You know, luckily, what I'm grateful for is that this industry is so transparent with numbers, whereas a lot of industries aren't. So um, it was very easy to have conversations with other brokers in the office who I felt were starting at, you know, I could kind of see myself in. Um, yeah. You know, we we started at the same time and the same age, and we had kind of similar backgrounds. And they were kind enough to share with me, like, all right, I worked really hard, and first year this was my production, and then therefore this is my gross commission income. And then you know, year two I increased that fifty percent, et cetera, et cetera. So I did put goals in place, and um, I was really pleased with how my first year went, and I exceeded them. Um, I Basically, when I was starting my business plan, the one thing that I the one goal that I kind of set forth was GCI related, just because I was coming from a nonprofit salary and I figured, okay, you know, if if in my first year I can make equal to or more than what I'm making in my current W-2 job, then this would have been the right move. Now a lot of people, that's not an appropriate goal because depending on where they're coming from, what type of industry, it's just, it's not feasible in your first year. But for me, that made the most sense. And frankly, that was the only thing that I could like think of. I mean, sure. you're think, you're making a huge industry shift and you're thinking about your standard of living. Um, so I was already used to a more like minimal standard of living working in a nonprofit. And I figured, okay, you know, I'm going to make this, I'm going to place this bet on myself and my future. Um, But the world will have indicated to me that I made the right decision if I can make just about the same amount of money. So um, I was very pleased with that. Um, You asked, how did I create a business plan that, that supported those goals? So to kind of shift to that. Um, I really think I just found ways to market myself while also staying true to my values. So I knew that if I wanted business, I I was going to have to put myself out there and let the world know that I was in real estate. It's a really uncomfortable shift for a lot of newer agents to make because you kind of just feel like you're self-promoting and it's a little uncomfortable, but it's also unavoidable. Um, What I did have control over is like how I sent that message. So instead of calling every person I knew up and saying, Hey, do you know someone looking to rent buy or sell? I just found ways that felt truer to me um, by adding value to my sphere. So for example, I just recently hosted my first um, home buying webinar. And that was like a touch point where I could kind of reach out to everyone I knew who was a renter, um, who either rented with me or just who lives in the city of Chicago and I said, Hey, you know, just want to let you know, I'm, I'm offering this. It's completely free to you. You can sit back, relax, watch it with your sweatpants on, eat an ice cream, whatever you want. Just want to let you know that this is like a resource. And a lot of people responded to me saying like, thank you so much for thinking of me, because what you're doing is you're adding value. You're not asking for business. Um, That's how I approach kind of my, my social media. I try to be as informational as possible. Um, so it's not me asking people on my social media, Hey, send me your contact information. If you want to rent, buy, sell this year, like people know that if you're in the industry, you're looking, you're constantly looking for business. So rather than asking for it, like if you can just add value, um, and I've tried to refine that over the last year, you know, I've for social media, like I've taken polls from my friends say, is this information helpful? Um, and I really take it seriously when I'm when I'm out at a social event and someone's like, I follow you on social media, like, this is so amazing. And I, I really love the content that you're putting out there. I take that feedback really seriously because in my head I'm thinking, okay, that's, that's great. I'm doing the right thing in my business. I'm adding value to my sphere. Um, so that's kind of the ways that I created a business plan that helped me reach my goal.
1: Sure, by, by being true to yourself and finding ways to market yourself that didn't feel gross (laughs) basically yeah like you have to market
2: yeah you have to market yourself which is kind of unavoidable I mean you don't have to but if you don't then you're probably not going to exceed um your your goals or get to where you want to get so it's kind of a hump that you just have to get over um but once you do and you kind of find your niche like I think one thing that I did was I kind of just when I first started, I looked at so many other realtors in the industry, particularly yeah. like on social media, because that's kind of where you can learn how to brand yourself. But I looked, looked up so many other realtors on social media in the city of Chicago, and I wrote down all the names of the people who I said, if I were a buyer in today's market, who would I want to work with? whose message is resonating with me. Cause there are some brokers out there who it's super salesy, it's not personable whatsoever. And that might work for someone, but it's not working for me. So I wanna attract, I wanna give out the brand that would attract me as a buyer or as a seller or whoever. Um, That looks different for everyone, but it helped me when I kind of did a broad sweep of all 40,000 brokers in the state of Illinois. and I had a long list of like, these are all the people that really resonate me with me and, and why. Um, so that's kind of how I was able to craft my business plan.
1: And that's fantastic too, because if you do that, it's not only you're figuring out your brand, you're also inviting the kind of buyers and sellers you want to work with, right?
2: Yeah, totally. I mean, I think that um, you can't be everyone's, cup of tea. You sure. learn that very uh, early on. Um, and yeah, I mean, I think that I would rather work with people who are excited to work with me and I don't feel like I have to mask yeah, who, who I am or what my values are. Um, you know, so, and I like to kind of just work with people all across the board. You know, I'm just thinking right now of all the clients that I've worked with in the last year. And that's been one of my favorite part is I've worked with so many people who I just think that I would have never even had a chance to interact with if it wasn't for this industry. Um, So I like to think of myself as like the type of branding and marketing that I put out there is approachable. Um, I do tend to have a slight focus on first-time home buyers, but um, I like to
0: half
1: as wide of a net as possible too. Absolutely. I
0: mean, that's the fun part. Sorry, John. That's the fun part about real estate is that you don't have to do what the next agent's doing. You get to figure out what works for you. And there's so many different ways that you can, you can do that. And you've done clearly a very good job to have the opportunity to, you know, work with over 50 people just in, in your first year. Yeah. It's been quite fun. <laughs> is there any strategy that you'd be willing to share that's worked better than others like in being as granular as you can be in in getting clients
2: yeah I think um I think what really makes me stand out is once I actually have the client just being as detail-oriented or organized Mm. as possible um I think as much as you want to focus on obtaining a client, once you have that client, you want, you want to make them feel like they are your only client, like they're the center of your, of your universe. Um, And I'm constantly thinking about that because that is a referral source from there on out. And I've been very pleased with the amount of people who have referred me out to their friends and family members. That in and of itself is like the best compliment I could ever receive. Um, So I think just, I've gotten a lot of feedback where it's, you know, you're very on top of it. You're constantly, you're sending us the emails of all the things we need to know. You're checking in on a daily or weekly basis, whatever is most appropriate. Um, so I think it's really just once you have that client, treating them, again, like they're, <laughs> they're the center of your universe because they yeah. would really make or break your business. Um, so that, that's really my, my main strategy. Um, I tend to err on the side of like over delivering in terms of communication, in terms of emails, also just like how I'm, this sounds silly, but I find that a lot of people in the business, like don't really format their emails in a, in a nice way. I'm very big on like, here's a lot of information that I'm about to throw at you, but I'm formatting it in a way that's digestible. Like here's all the attachments. It's very organized. Um, I'm not attaching documents where it's like one, seven, three, nine, X, Y, Z, two, four, five, you know, it's all labels. And those are very, like, you asked me to be granular. That's, that's the level of detail oriented. I tried to be for every single one of my clients, whether it's a $1,000 rental or a million dollar buyer client.
0: Um, yeah, that experience that you provide is so important. And I think even more consumers are looking for that even more now than they ever have before, right? They just want to have that amazing, like six star experience. It's not even like five stars, not even good enough. You've got to be like a six or seven star agent and give people that experience. My question for you, Sarah is with as many clients as you have. How do you make that more feasible without it taking up too much of your time, right? Because there is a balance between all the activities you have to do. Plus, I'm sure you want to have a personal life and have time off, and sleep, and do all those things, and eat, which we already learned you're not doing enough of. So we need to make sure you've got lunch, lunch built into your schedule. So, do you leverage um, like canned email templates in your Gmail, for example, or like checklists, or you other other tools or resources that are out there to make that? a lot less work than what it sounds like based on how you just described everything that you do for your clients.
2: Yeah, absolutely. So um, a few things. Tem- email templates are so important. Um, I have probably 20 of them. Uh, I use Trello as a business tool, which is basically, um, you know it? John loves Trello. Yeah. Trello is really fun because it you can make it really look really aesthetic. And when you're kind of in the middle of your day just so bored if if you want to just you know <laughs> have a shot of adrenaline go through you
0: then just change your change your like background on your Trello board and <laughs> <What is the, laughs> that is the nerdiest thing we've ever heard on this podcast
1: <laughs> without a doubt without <laughs> a doubt, doubt.
0: <laughs> I love but, it um, no Trello is really fun because
2: it's a one way that I organize so I have different boards like I have a social media board and that's like all of my Ideas and thoughts for my social media. I have a broader business plan board, um, and you can kind of get a little bit more granular and make to-do lists within that. Um, and then I think most importantly, I have this like master Excel spreadsheet, which, albeit, is not the most um, sophisticated spreadsheet, just in terms of like it's a Excel. It spreadsheet. It's not like a CRM or anything. Um, But that's where my business lives. And it's basically like all of my clients that I've ever worked with. And then I have a column for basically everything, every touchpoint. So um, for buyers, like, did I send them anything for their uh, one year anniversary? Did I send them a card for their six month anniversary? Did I ask them for a review? Um, For renters, did I follow up at like the eight to eight to nine month mark um, to see how they're doing. I have a column for basically every single one of those, even a column for like, have I gotten paid yet? Uh, like to answer your question again, I think templates, Trello, my Excel spreadsheet, really find whatever works for you that you will be able to revisit every single day. You wake up, you open up your computer and you remind yourself, this is my broader business plan. These are my goals. These are my Quarterly goals, and this is my. These are the five things I
0: need to get done today. Right. I love that. I think that's like that's super important. Yeah, it is, John. It's very, very organized because if you don't have that and you don't know how to structure out your day from the moment you wake up, I imagine there are probably a lot of agents out there who wake up, don't know what they're supposed to do, and waste so much time just trying to figure that out when they could have been using that time to you know, have lunch with a client or try to go find some new business or just take care of some of the things on their to-do list they have to get done. Um, I love that. It also,
2: so yeah. I mean, I think it also helps me just like on the admin side of things. So like I mentioned, you're running your own business. No one else is going to keep track of everything that you spent spent on your business this year. So not only in terms of like a, a tax reporting sense but also in terms of like you want to finish out your first year and look back and say I spent x amount of dollars on marketing I spent x amount of dollars on um, gifts I spent x amount of dollars on sourcing new leads through whatever means it may be you you want you're going to be much more successful if you're able to if you put the tools and systems in place to then be analytical um, rather than closing out your first year and saying like that was a great year you know because if you don't have those systems in place to say, okay, this was part of my business plan. It's clearly not working or it clearly is working. I need to double down or I need to kick it out. If you don't have those systems in place to even track it, then how are you going to know what sh- how Ooh. to evolve your business?
0: Yeah. And the tracking piece, I think, could realtors are personal people. They don't like to do all the paperwork and the tracking, and that can be the boring part of the job, but it's so important. You're right. Otherwise, how do you do your plan for the next year if you don't know what worked, you know? Yeah.
1: Did you have all these systems in place, like, right when you started, or did it take a little bit for you, like, as your business was developing, as you're getting more clients, did these systems kind of fall into place?
2: I think a mixture of both. I have always been a very organized person, Ah. so um, I tried to create semblance of what my business plan looks now but it's constantly evolving I mean you're starting as you get more clients you know I was talking about those different columns that that matter to me or like now I have a whole re- column on like referrals and have I sent a, a, a nice note to someone who referred me in the first three months three to five months that wasn't applicable to my business and now it's um, m- much more applicable to my business so Basically, the spreadsheet is constantly evolving. If Google Sheets ever um, goes down, I <laughs> will not know what to do with myself um, because that's <laughs> where my life currently lives.
0: Um, but yeah, it's just kind of constantly evolving.
2: Yeah.
1: Love Google it.
0: should be around for a while. You should be okay. Yeah. I think, yeah, I think it's, <laughs> it's a sure thing.
1: Google will be around for a lot longer than any of us will. Oh, that's sad that's and true. Sarah, what is one habit that you would encourage new agents to do consistently, every day slash consistently? A habit that might not reap an immediate reward, but is really important for growing a business long-term.
2: Show up to the office as much as you can. Um, I am very lucky because I live a few blocks away, um, so I know it's easier said than done, Um, but it's really so understated how building connections with other brokers in the office will yield more opportunities. Now, I'll caveat that with saying like, I don't go to the office and build relationships or friendships with other brokers in the office for opportunities. I'm just more of a social person and agent and I'm running my own business. I love to come to the office and just feed off of other people to get Mm -hmm. ideas, to have conversations, to learn about other people, like I said, how they came to this industry, Um, especially in the beginning when you have so many questions as a new agent, if you really can just commit to putting yourself out there, showing up at the office, people will notice, and not only will more opportunities arise, but you'll just feel more comfortable in the industry. Um, I have fallen in love with this industry because of the people that I've met, Um, and it's just been the most rewarding part of all of this.
0: Same. Um, well said I'm trying to picture you being isolated like I feel like even if you like kept yourself at home you would just talk to the wall all day like I just it's (laughs) not I don't see it you're too social of a person I mean that it's a compliment I need
2: to like leave the office because I can tell from other brokers I'm like I'm talking too much like I need to leave other people are trying to focus whereas like I come to the office and I'm just trying to hang out with everyone and then I I come around and people start to like put their headphones in (laughs) (laughs)
0: <laughs> Don't read too much into that. Oh, okay. <laughs> we, we, love he- we love having me. You. I am, I am who I am. <laughs> no, we love your energy. It's good. It's good, and it's infectious too. Yeah, like, that it. spreads. That's very kind. Word.
1: That's enough nice things about Sarah. No all right, more. Fine. No more. Done. We're well done.
0: That. Okay. Go ahead, John.
1: <sighs> Sarah, what are your goals for your business over the next year?
2: Um, I would, I would say kind of just continue on the trajectory that I'm at. I think it's really easy to lose steam. Um, but I think it's also important to kind of like teach, take each win with a grain of salt, I guess, just because you don't want to get an overinflated ego. Like it's great if you have a big sale, but that's not going to sustain you. Like what's going to sustain you is really providing value to your clients offering them a really stellar experience um so i think my my goals are really just continue to be a resource to my current and prospective clients um if i were to throw out a number maybe like me putting this on like an actual podcast manifest might mean might mean that i'll manifest it and work for hard but let's say 10 million let's go with it
0: i love it yep you.
2: all right it's happening now um I, uh, I also just kind of want to expand my, my technical knowledge. I mean, there's so much to learn in this industry, um, you know, about whether it be zoning laws or different materials that you can use on, on new builds, whatever it may be. Um, I want to expand my knowledge on that. Um, lastly, I'm, I'm going to try to throw a client party. I think that'd be quite fun. So stay tuned. Can I come? Um, are you a client? I could be. you could could be exactly just kidding um those are great goals I love it yeah yeah so I think that I also have a lot of like personal goals I think when you when you switch careers and industries like this naturally you're going to have a switch or I would say a shift in what your personal goals are Um, I don't think I've like, those have shifted dramatically, but I think just with my day-to-day lifestyle being so different, um, and you suddenly met all of these new people, you start to focus more on what, what your new goals are. Um, you know, whether that's financial, whether that's, um, just kind of day-to-day goals, healthy habits, things like that. But
1: Absolutely.
2: I'm excited
0: for this next
1: year. That kind of brings us into our next question. Oh, wait, I have, have
0: a, I have a follow-up question.
1: How dare was I going
0: to say something, John? I always have something to say.
1: I know I, I saw it.
0: <laughs> um, thank you. You can see it in my face. Uh, if, if you don't mind, Sarah, and we can certainly cut this out too, but like that $10 million volume goal, let's take that. Cause I think that's amazing. And I think that is absolutely doable for you in your second full year in real estate. That, that means something sure. In terms of completing it and achieving it and you know being the top producer so that would certainly put you top producer status in the city like on the personal level what does that do for you like is there a personal goal that's kind of like tied to the income that could come in from that 10 million dollar volume that you really want to accomplish next year whether it's this amazing vacation or buying a home or something else that you really want to do that you'd be willing to share
2: yeah I mean I, I think buying a house is is definitely kind of my next big thing. But I think, um, you know, if you had asked me three years ago about buying a house, I buying an investment property would not have even been on my radar. But um, just in the last year, kind of being surrounded by real estate professionals, real estate investors, um, my mindset on what real estate can do for your standard of living and how you can just like set yourself up for the life that you want to live. Um, that has totally shifted. So yes, I do believe in like owning a primary home, which if I get the opportunity to do that this year, great. Um, but it's, it's actually been interesting because buying a house has always been on my radar just probably the last five years or so. Um, and who knows if it'll actually mean like just buying a primary resident or really considering purchasing some sort of like investment property, um, and incorporating that into, into my portfolio. So, um, that's one of the things that I'm, I'm really grateful for, because I think that being surrounded by people like this, you're, you're privy to a lot more conversations about, um, about real estate investing and about how it can kind of set you up for financial freedom earlier on than, um then maybe you would have expected so it's something that's kind of on my radar I don't know if it's going to happen in the next year um definitely next five years I would hope so um there's a there's a couple other factors at play but yeah I would say I uh if I'm in this industry
0: maybe I should talk the talk and walk the walk
1: damn right
0: I love it. Well, and you're still, I mean, you're still young still, right? I mean, you've got so much that your life is in a place where there's so much that could still change coming up here in the next few years too. So I think that's awesome though, that that's something that you would like to accomplish. And like I said, I'm sure we'll be doing this. Where is she now? Recap episode a year from now, and uh, you'll be at 20 million or something insane. Yeah. you
1: have like three, three agents working under you and two assistants.
0: (laughs) And the assistants will be Jimmy me and John.
1: And your office will be a yacht. <laughs> a yacht in the Chicago River. <laughs> Ooh.
0: Yeah, I don't know about that. But maybe, maybe a, maybe a, yeah, maybe a fun vacation. Just a
2: yeah. Sprinkle yeah. On yeah. Top At the very that. least,
1: a fun vacation. Yeah. yeah. Okay, we're going to get to the fun questions. But for the last real question is, what are you most proud of over the last year? Which is kind of a sentimental question, but.
2: Uh, You know, I think I'm most proud of my ability just to push through the hard (laughs) weeks. Um, Like I said, this past year was the craziest best year of my life, but it also was the most challenging. Um, It pushed me to limits that I didn't even know were there. Um, You know, this industry is not really for the weak-hearted or the thin-skinned, is that like opposite of all right. Yeah, um, got it. <laughs> just, I mean, and you know, there are weeks where you're, where you're going to feel exhausted. You you feel like you're putting in so much work for, for clients doing showings that don't end up working with you. Your car gets a flat tire. You do again, 20 different showings for for prospective buyers who just stay renting, um, whatever it is, the job can get really get the best of you, but if you let it, um, I think if you push through those those hard days and hard weeks, it is so much more gratifying on those great days. Those days that you have a closing, you get a great review from a client, you get a referral, whatever it may be. Um, so that's that's kind of what I'm most proud of. And for kind of just like setting a goal, really arbitrary goal. I mean, you're kind of unless you come from a family of real estate or Um, which a lot of people do. And I think they recognize that everyone I've heard on this podcast who says that they have a parent or a family member with a background in real estate, I think they all recognize that that gives them a leg up just in terms of mindset, just in terms of like understanding what to expect, what your day-to-day is going to look like. For me, I really had no friends in the real estate industry. I definitely didn't come from a real estate background. Um, So I kind of just, was, you know, throwing shit at a wall and seeing what stuck. Sorry for my, my language. I, I don't know if I can swear on this podcast.
1: You <laughs> have to cancel it.
2: Done. Uh, um, but yeah, you know, you're kind of going in blind. And I think in the first year, um, it there's so many questions and you don't know if what you're doing is right. That's another thing is you kind of just have to stay committed to your vision. You know, you're not gonna have a business pillar that yield you 10 clients in one month. It's a long game, you know? Even even one can argue right now, I've only been in this for a year and it's still a long game. Like there's still aspects of my business that I'm still trying to um, see if they're successful or not. So really just being consistent, being persistent, Um, and knowing that on those really hard days and hard weeks where everything feels like the world is upside down, um, you know, you'll get through it.
1: That's really, really good. Amen. That's great advice for me as a new agent. This has been a very nice podcast.
2: Oh, that's very nice. Thanks, Sean.
1: I'm going to start dressing like you and like having your same vibe. I think that'll be really great.
0: Oh, great. Are you going Start to single the... white female Sarah Jaffe? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Damn right. Can't oh, wait. This is going to be This gonna be a fun new year.
2: List.
0: Start with the chunky gold ring.
1: Yeah, I'll be the first like drag queen real estate agent at Baird and Warner.
0: We're ready. That could be your niche. Sarah said earlier, you got to find your niche.
1: Done. Yeah. can't believe I haven't thought about it yet. I still have that Starlight wig. <laughs>
0: All right. Here are, are the heavy hitters.
1: Okay, ready? I'm scared. Taylor Swift or Adele? And why? Adele.
2: Well, hmm. No, Adele. Um, I think that, like, Taylor Swift has really catchy songs. Don't get me wrong. I, um, I'm i not a Taylor Swift hater by any means. But I think that, like, Adele goes into, like, the depths of your soul. Um, like, I think with Taylor Swift, you can, like, cry a few tears and, like, sing your heart out. But with Adele, sure. you're, you have to, like mark off the rest of your afternoon yeah. you're you're sitting crying bundled in a blanket like you're watching uh pretty woman like that's what a makes you feel you know <laughs> it really it really takes you to the depths of your soul
1: yeah that's what i i still remember i was in like college the first time i heard someone like you and I was driving, and I literally started bawling in the car for no reason. It was the weirdest thing that's well, ever Well,
2: not for no reason. She Her lyrics
1: are so... Yeah, absolutely. Uh, but I had never so been in a relationship at that point. I had no reason to be upset. <laughs> <laughs> um, okay, so I accept Good that. Good question. Answer. There's no wrong or right one in that one, because they're both winners to me. So I'll accept it. Yeah. Um, what did you want to be when you were growing up, and why?
2: So, Ooh... Um, that's a good question. Thank you. (laughs) Um, I don't, well, I mean, I guess it's, um, I, I can't really think back to when I was like super young, but just in the industry that I was previously in was very focused on international development and foreign policy. So I spent a lot of like internships abroad and I really had this vision for myself of um, being in the global development space. Mm-hmm. Um, there's a lot of reasons that I won't delve into now that I realized I needed to make a shift, but for really like all of my academic career, um, I, I dreamt of being um, working at a nonprofit, being like an executive director of a nonprofit that's in like the global development space, I've always been really interested in. Like in even that. as a kid. So, well, so I think it's like satisfying. Well, <laughs> I did do I did I did do ballet, and I was horrible at it. But no, I think even as a kid, I was very fortunate to travel internationally quite yeah. a bit as a as a kid. Um, so, you know, my parents at a young age instilled. A love for travel in me that um, I didn't realize until my adult years that was that it was so unique. Yeah, um, absolutely. And yeah, and I just um, you know kind of like the type of travel that that we did and um, the places we went. I I was just always so fascinated by different cultures and different people um, and different ways of living. So I think that was instilled at me in me at a very very young age. Um, and so that kind of just manifested into pursuing a career in global development.
1: Yeah. That's really cool. And it's also very in keeping with what I know about you. It seems like you've always had your head on your shoulders even as a five-year-old.
0: <laughs> oh, that's nice. Bring in another nice thing. time what's she doing?
1: I'm gonna, after this is done, I'm gonna go over there and say a, real, a bunch of shitty things to her to balance it out. <laughs> um, okay, last question. What advice would you give to you 10 years ago? If you, te- you 10 years ago was sitting across from you, what advice would you give them?
2: So I was 16. Yeah. Um, don't go to that homecoming dance and stop. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just kidding. Um, that can be, be interpreted in a lot of ways, but it was, yeah. it was fine. I, I turned out okay. Um you know, I think. What advice would I give myself? Whew, these are really heavy hitters.
1: I know. Um, <laughs> Whoops.
2: Yeah, I um, I was at a completely different place in my life when I was sixteen, but I think, um, I, I think it, a lot of it would be just kind of be more confident in yourself. I. I think from that time of my life, I I always remember just like feeling like the stupid kid in, in middle school and high school. And then college, I gained a little bit more confidence in who I was and what I wanted to do. Um, and even just up until this point, like this is kind of the peak of my confidence, just in terms of, my ability and my skill set. You know, the job that I was at previously was a wonderful organization. I just didn't feel all of all that valued, and I think that stemmed back from like being in high school and not feeling like the smartest kid, not feeling like I had the most potential. Um, I was getting into all sorts of trouble, and I just constantly felt like I was letting my folks down and things like that. So I I really think it was just my my advice to my 16 year old self would be um, you know, stay true to your values, stick up for yourself when you need to, um, continue to work hard and push through those things where you don't feel like you're, you know, at at the top of your (laughs) A-game,
1: um,
2: because it'll all culminate into being a better person and the best version of yourself. Like kind of going back to, talking about my previous career, like I made a huge shift in industries. And that was right. one of the things that was hardest to give up was this idea was this notion of like what I thought I wanted to be with a completely different industry. Like people who were closest to me, even my colleagues at that organization, when they, I told them that I was leaving to become a broker with Barrett and Warner Lincoln Park, they were like, that's great, but I am so confused. Like, how did you get there? Um, so I think it's really just having the mindset that, you know, even if your path isn't linear, it's still important. And it's important to go through certain experiences because ultimately they'll always lend themselves to being a better version of yourself. So for me, I spent years, I mean, I undergrad and graduate school and then two two years at an organization. So that's eight years essentially chasing a career that ultimately didn't work out. You know, if you, if I were to tell my 16 year old self today, like, sir, you end up being a real estate agent. I would have never, ever, (laughs) ever believed you ever. Um, but kind of looking back on it and having that hindsight 2020, um, you realize that even if it's not the path that you ultimately thought was going to be forged, um, it, it still contributes to your day-to-day life and being the best version of yourself in whatever the industry is. So. Right. That was uh, quite the tangent. I was thrown for a loop there. Um nailed I it. I, I hope I answered
1: it okay. You did. You answered all of our questions. Great. There wasn't one that you-
0: but Also don't answer. go to that homecoming
2: dance.
1: <laughs> <laughs> but like for real.
0: <laughs> that sounds like an off the record story that we may need you to stick around and share with us when we're done recording this. It. Yeah. Um, Sarah, thank you so much for all your time today, for all your wisdom and for just being the open, kind, wonderful person you are and sharing with everybody who's listening for anybody who wants to get in contact with you. What's the best way for them to reach you? Call, email, text, Instagram, whatever it may be, uh, at windy city live in. All right. We'll make sure to put all of that in the show notes for anybody who wants to come find you, John, anything Wait, else? For-
2: I'll say an asterisk if you do want to find me uh, there are two Sarah Jaffe's at Baird and Warner and oh. it is important to know that I'm the Sarah with the H mm-hmm.
0: yes yeah, so that's S-A-R-A-H Sarah Jaffe yep. that will everything will be spelled correct in the show notes <laughs> awesome thank actually, you so we much
1: you have the other Sarah Jaffe on <laughs>
0: <laughs> you should she's
2: she's really wonderful actually so, if there's anyone to share a name with I- I'd
0: want it to be her Uh, Well, you're still our favorite, Sarah Jeffy, so.
1: Yeah, low key, not low key, just tea. Yeah. Well, thanks for having me, guys. This was so much fun. Thank you for being on this podcast. Thank you for being so open. Maybe a little
0: too open. It's all good. It's all helpful. People will listen and learn, and the homecoming story is not going to be included. So I'm going to hit record so we can hear that. Thanks, Sarah. Bye. Bye. Bye.